I'm Al Filreis, and this is Poem Talk at the Writer's House, where I have the pleasure of convening three friends in the world of contemporary poetry and poetics to collaborate on a close but not too close reading of a poem. We'll talk, maybe even disagree a bit, and perhaps open up the verse to a few new possibilities, and we hope gain for a poem that interests us, some new readers and listeners. And I say listeners because Poem Talk poems are available in recordings made by the poets themselves as part of our Pen Sound archive, writing.upenn.edu slash pensound. Today, I'm joined here in Philadelphia at the Kelly Writers House in our Wexler studio by Colin Brown, whose new work is Entering Time, the Fungus Man Platters of Charles Eden Shaw, Talon Books 2016, a book-length essay that looks at three argillite did I pronounce that right? Yeah, Argillite yeah. platters carved by Haida, uh, a Haida artist, Charles Edenshaw, uh, around 1885, who recently curated an exhibition at the Vancouver Art Gallery called I Had an Interesting French Artist to See Me Last Summer, Emily Carr and Wolfgang Palin in British Columbia, whose recent book of poetry is The Hatch, 2015, and who, of course, was one of the co-founders of the Kootenay School of Writing the Vancouver-based Writers' Collective, a response to the failure of most public institutions, to maybe all, to serve their artistic communities. And by Daphne Marlett, whose recent books include Reading Sveva, that's Talon Books, 2016, a series of poems in response to the life, art, and thought of Italian-Canadian painter Sveva Caetani, and The Gull, a contemporary Canadian no-play, 2009, the Pangea Arts production of which received the Uchimura Nayoa Prize for No Theater, and Rivering, the Poetry of Daphne Marlett, a, a volume of selected poems, and Liquidities, Vancouver Poems Then and Now, 2013, and who is working with Susan Holbrook on an edition of earlier collected poetry published soon by Talon Books under the title Intertidal. I love that, a title called Intertidal. And by Fred Waugh, poet, teacher, mentor, novelist, scholar, born in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Canadian poet laureate emeritus, whose Scree, the collected early poems, 1962 to 1991, edited by Jeff Dirksen, was published by Talon Books in 2015 in the same series that will publish Daphne's intertitle, the aforementioned, whose newest work includes a collaborative project on the Chinese of British Columbia titled High Muckamuck, playing Chinese with installations in galleries online at highmuckamuck.ca, and who is currently focusing on the Columbia River, the renegotiation with the U.S. of the Columbia River Treaty, the salmon, the environmental context, and with Rita Wong and several other visual artists is creating a poem as long as the Columbia River. Fred. True. That's... that's um, True. That's, that's rather audacious. Is it it's one word, long, and, how one long word is after that? another. That's <laughs> it's not like advice to a child learning how to walk. <laughs> how long is the Columbia River? Uh, it, in poem, in our poem, it's um, well. Each page is ten inches wide, and it's going to take 120 pages to stretch the Columbia River. So 120. Pages, yeah, like 120 10 foot, 10, 10 inch wide pages, and and writing along the. I'm right. I start out writing on one side of the river, I and see. Rita start is writing on the other side of the river. You're crossing the river, and when we come to a bridge, I get it. We cross over, 
Fred. That's that's crazy. No, it's not. <laughs> Roll on, Columbia. Thank you for coming back to the Writer's House. This is, I think, your fourth visit, maybe, or third over the years? Uh, sounds like third or fourth, yeah. Yeah, it's great to see you. And Daphne, welcome to the Writer's House, I believe, Thank for you. the first time. That's true. That's true. I tried to get here earlier. She but, was uh, invited to the North of Intention mm-hmm. right. thing, but she was sick. Mm-hmm. Couldn't and, make oh, it. Couldn't that's make right. It. Yeah. And that was several years back. Mm-hmm. And we might as well just recommend to people listening to this that they go back and look at Penn Sound for the North of Intention conference, which unfortunately didn't include Daphne, but was lots and lots of fun. And we did a poem talk that day about one of your poems. So, and Colin, thank you so much for making the trip. So this is very exciting. We're here today to talk about uh, five poem sections from the long poem titled Nascent Fashion by Larissa Lai. Nascent Fashion was collected with several other long poems in a volume called Automaton Biographies, published by Arsenal Press in Vancouver in 2009. Larissa Lai's Pen Sound page includes a recording of the reading she gave at the Banff Center for the Arts in February 2010 at a conference called Interventions, Literary Practice at the Edge. In fact, several of us in the room right now, I included, were there at Banff in Alberta and heard this reading live. In the recording preserved in Penn Sound, the poem sections we'll discuss begin at 5 minutes and 49 seconds and conclude at 10 minutes and 1 second. And in the book, Automaton Biographies, our poems begin on page 53 and run through page 60. So here now is Larissa Lai at Banff performing nascent fashion. Am I a girl dreaming I'm in a truck? Or a truck? Dreaming, I contain a girl. All containers are dark inside. Whatever engine, its oily ancient fuel, whatever medium, asphalt, salt water, fresh water track, I thorn my foot to escape the shoe, dim the lights myself before the boss does. Who is a man? What is a machine? What has a mind? What is web-enabled? O parent, corporation, my body, a cell to be bought. I flash appear when you need me, based in Turkey, Shanghai to Vietnam, former Yugoslav slave as Mexican laborers max hours, push borders that pushed back, illegal where once master carded, now home without. Uniform my black hair. Flesh rip each time the contract relocates the girl, the same girl different. My dreams rust containers. I slowboat from China to meet yesterday's demand. Emergency rings on the dollar, calls planes to existence. Imminent and breathing, we pass as pigeons. Ideological contagion stools digital signals and flags wave hands semaphoric. Call for metaphor, the fundamental wine of discontent. We civil our eyes as towers twin the geography of a thousand and one brown elsewheres marked as target market labor pool, disposable as plastic razors, double action blade for a cool smooth, sexy until the bluff, the snuff cleanly executed in real time iMovie. The biochemical bludgeon, half-lives deplete cancerous uranium, military aircraft flattened desperate breed of suicide. We mime our own grief for verite of hourly caste. Spell horror at flash recognition. We share soft biology 
difference our capacity for hardware, our impermeable fear, we factor in our right to win. This sorrow in the innocent part, the longing, imperialism's imperative scathes, we dirt even in revolution. Desire awry, we force, we blood, we maim, she body, she collective. In our innocent, we search culture's purgative rhetoric as machines repetitive wilt spirit, as bones dig mass racial graves, are soft that works, tears, burns, dismembered and bleeding, she dark, she poor, this litany all tongue stuck and wordful, innocent digs for itself. Absolute abstract calls to bodies miraculous, pulse and warm, this soft reproduces kisses, even the hindered belly blossoms. Pretend a fresh garden, sing the charred cells, delectable mutation, phantom pleasure of severed limb. Chant the cancer regenerative, our brilliant pustules recall brine of origin, the new salt futures a city of soft. Biological meteors replicate, scale our feather, our alien, innocent, all damp and downy. Already used, I know, already held up and heralded, I know, child the one God, our hate, hot, divine, thin slip of good evil, doubles godly devilry. I cave my truck hate, I anger my own blood, the girl outside in, I long, I fury, I spit so acid, the floor burns. I'm really interested in starting um, by having us observe the uh, grammar, diction, the syntactical strategies in particular, and how somehow they connect to the political atmosphere that's being created. For instance, she has a way of using ver uh, nouns as verbs. Mm -hmm. um, I thorn my foot. Yeah, I guess I, f I guess I, s I feel it more as social rather than mm -hmm. political, political yeah. rather than political in the mm -hmm. sense that uh, I think that the poem seems to me through that action between verbs and nouns to be uh, looking for a site of agency in the writing and in the exploration of what's possible with mm -hmm. this uh, with this writing. Mm -hmm. Nascent, of course. You start to apply nascent to that shift between the verb and the noun, and it's, you know, what's becoming what. <laughs> mm, yeah. And also, Daphne, the cause and effect keeps getting switched around when you do that. Um, I thorn my foot to escape the shoe. Mm -hmm. It's hard mm -hmm. to know what action is related to what effect mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. forth. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, well, I'm also intrigued by the way she turns adjectives into nouns, like uh, innocent digs for itself. I, I get a lot of uh, play with doubles going on here, and and I feel that that's part of her strategy for foregrounding how complicit we all are without recognizing it. Mm. Yeah, um, Colin, your thoughts on this? Well, I agree. I'm just I'm actually looking at how I was thinking when uh, Daphne mentioned that of her use of the word soft as it comes mm -hmm. again, but those doubles come out at the end of the at the end of the sequence, mm -hmm. which kind of lend, lead it uh, toward religious considerations as well. Or, oh, okay. Um, so I think those doubles are there, and she picks it up in her own text and 
comes out here. What what religious? Well, right at the end where she she talks, uh, already used, I know, already held up and heralded, I know, child, the one God. And then she says, thin slip of good evil doubles godly devilry. So in a sense. Those are wonderful lines. Very, very wonderful yeah, and a very strong yeah, yeah. place there. And then the litany, yeah. we have a litany. And, and then the we litany, have, all tongue yeah. stuck and yeah. wordful. Yeah. 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 I'm still stuck on the cause and effect, and it's the effect of fooling around with cause and effect, if I may, right? As bones dig mass racial graves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who's digging the grave? What's going on there? I, I think it's conflating. She tends to, it's not a laying out of parts. It's a kind of crossing, parts of perception are crossing over. I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's occupying that space of equivocation. You know, the, and the cyborg, and of course the cyborgian thing. And I can't read this section without thinking of that Donna Haraway quote at uh, at the beginning. Rachel, you know, quoting Rachel uh, from Blood Runner, uh, Blade Runner, and uh, but that's that notion of moving on the move between things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Things. E- except that, that that I agree with Colin that the soft is very key here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bones Dig Graves seems to me to point to the fact that um, it's not machines that dig graves. It's actual human hands. It's the bones of human hands, which will eventually become bones in the earth. There's that uh, constant undercurrent of reminding us of our biology. Mm-hmm. And I think that's working very much against the, the metal of techno- technologies, new technologies. Yeah, but I don't think she's contrasting them. I don't think she's opposing them. It's cyborgian. It's uh, yeah, I know it's cyborgian, but I still a human feel, machine. I still feel that her sympathies are with the human side of Rachel and the blood ru- the Blade Runner. Now you've got me saying Blood Runner, the Blade Runner. <laughs> but she's when she talks about the oily ancient fuel, or my biochemical package. There seems to be two references there. One is to the current ecological degradation. Yeah, yeah. And it also has something to do with, in the one of the middle sections, with this image I get of women forced uh, enslavement mm-hmm. and forced immigration, essentially slave labor, I hear that, mm-hmm. um, yep. a cell yep. to be bought... Uh, based in Turkey, Shanghai to Vietnam, former Yugoslav slave as a Mexican laborer's max hour, push borders that pushed back. So I hear a very contemporary or let's say modern situation that the body finds itself in, but at the same time something that is as old as human, namely the old oil, the oil that basically is the biochemical us. And I don't know what to do with that, but I'm really curious about this this stuff about Shanghai and all containers are dark inside. Something very bad is going on. Yeah, Me- Mexican immigrant labor st- snuck, sneaked across the border, for instance. And then there's the slow boat. Is it to China? Yeah. yeah well, I slow- from, from China. I slow boat. Right? Yeah, so and I then slow- there's the brown elsewhere. Yeah. Colin? Well, isn't, uh, th- th- this isn't just a modern situation. It's the old situation mm. <laughs> throughout time for a woman's body. And it's about the woman's body as a consumable and a mm-hmm. deliverable, mm-hmm. which brings it. That, those two words bring us right. into the moment. I completely agree, and, but uh, I also see a 
contemporary, a now. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, um, illegal, where once MasterCarded now home without uniform, that now is the MasterCarded now. The, oh, the, yeah, but but yeah. it isn't new. Right. <laughs> this right. this this condition of being human and of being a woman isn't isn't. I mean, yeah. all of the references or many are contemporary, but it's not a new condition. I would. I just want to. I say agree. That. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> Fred, in the first little section on page 53, and then the last on page 60, we get a first-person I. Yeah. Um, and those, a... those sections match. Can you help us with that? Am I a girl dreaming I'm in a truck, or a truck dreaming I contain a girl? It sounds like a koan of, J- of John Cage or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, a beautiful... It's lovely, uh, but what does it mean? What do we do with that? What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Hey, you were the poet laureate of fucking Canada. You should be able to say what anything means. Push, push. I'm pushing borders. I, I mean, I, I love... Uh, one of the things I like about this poem, besides the word, verb-noun thing, is the play with pronouns. Yeah, you know, can the, you show the, us the, the shift? Well, yeah. there's a shift from uh, into um, uh, you. There's a you, and there's a she, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's a we, mm-hmm. Is uh, we mime our own grief. So she's she moves. She's using that voice, the pronoun voice, to move around. Now I, I didn't read it, perhaps as closely as one might to assign these pronouns positions. But uh, well, this goes with my uh, observation when I turned to you just now, because the first section I chose in the last, they're you know clear eyes. Mm-hmm. But I think she's weaving in and out. Of the I and the we, and that's how she gets that motif of complicity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Colin, you look well, like you have something well, to say. Well, I think it's complicated when she hits the we, frankly, and I think she's, my guess is that she wanted to speak on behalf of many women who are incarcerated, who are used for all kinds of ter- ter- terrible reasons, uh, and and really some can she hold all of those women's bodies in her body, in a sense? So I think that's that's my sense of why she does that. But I think that makes the poem more complicated. Um, I, I just wanted to say, uh, going back to the container in the dark inside, um, which I really like this a lot. Um, this is page 54. On page 54. Because I think it really sets you up. So we are all dark inside, and we're dark, of course, because we can't see our insides. Uh, but at the same time, we could say that we're all <laughs> nasty inside, something like yeah. that. But it's also a shipping container. It is. It, and so, this is a, this and is so, a, mm-hmm. this people is a, are trapped in the shipping. Yes. Well, this is about the conduction of freight, right? And right. and women are the freight. Uh, and and where do you? Pl- and so I think her question, her big question, is where do I like where? If I want things, do I become part of the? Packaged freight, in a sense, uh, and that that goes to the whiteness earlier mm-hmm, on in mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that that we coming back to your your we thing there is. Um, I mean, she's moving through it. Okay, she she's going to that pronoun, uh, that kind of collective, uh, you know, we women or. or Maybe maybe it's not women. Maybe it's not it's, just women. It's not just women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think she's moving through these pronouns uh, in a, in the same way she's moving between verbs and nouns. That is as kind of eliding mm-hmm. uh, uh, the pronoun here. I don't think she's 
declaring uh, the pronoun or the positioning of the, any of these pronouns to be a kind of voice. It's certainly not an ideological or propagandistic we, a didactic we, which no. would be capital P political. So at the very beginning when I said to you, Fred, you know, I said political situation and you said, I think, more social situation. Social is probably a better word. But I, when she talks about the boss, it, you know, in the shipping container, there's the boss, there's a machine, there's corporation, my body. It does seem to me specifically political, if not the kind of politics that says we are this and we demand this. I feel like there, at least, there is a an economic system. I slowboat from China to meet yesterday's demands. Economic, so, yeah, I mean, particularly with this uh, overriding image of the truck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why a truck? Why not? Yeah, so a... you are going to explain that. Go ahead. <laughs> well, truck with the container, but but there's a there's a there's a, not a pickup. <laughs> there's a flip. There's a flip in, in those in, in those first two lines. I mean, if if I mean, I appreciate your specificity about this, Colin, because I kept thinking container ship. Then I kept thinking that when you unload that container ship into the place where the slave labor is going to be enacted, you take the container off the ship and it becomes a truck, essentially. Yeah, that's right. That's where we are. That's right. So, that's am right. I a girl dreaming I'm in a truck? That is such a heartbreaking image for. This is where I am. Or am I a truck dream, dreaming I contain a girl? This is a way of powerful subjectivity somehow to come to overcome one's situation or at least, you know, the kind of classic poetic move that you try to make. I, I think it's both. I think she's saying we are the container as much as we are the imprisoned inside the container. And, and I get that from... The container is the body with the oil inside? Uh, well, yeah, well... Partly. Yeah, I, I cave my truck hate. I anger my own blood. The girl outside in. Yeah. This, is, this is the positioning, I think. The girl outside in. Yeah. And if I'm a truck that's dreaming, <laughs> that uh, what's, the, you know, what's this dream going to be about? It's going to be about this and this cap, being captive. And, and uh, I'm dreaming about the, the oil and the gas that's making me go... <laughs> Right. This complication of uh, the, you uh, know, the, 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 comp, the, the complicated um, ingredient in that whole thing about dirt and shit and uh, uh, ancient fuel, oil, that the irony of that as being part of what I need. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's again, goes back to that complicity that yeah. we're, in a, we're in an oil-based economy at the moment. So it's species-wide complicity. That is to say, yeah. the yeah, petro yeah, yeah. petrochemical us yeah. is partly extracting, you know, the oil that's made from all of the humus, which includes humans, down under the ground. It gets has to come out yeah, and wind a, up. That, that's yeah. our old bones. Yeah. That's yeah. us. Yeah. To that. yeah. 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 So, but but the, but, uh, but I have this more modern political history in mind. Um, the section that we didn't get to in this the next section, the first two lines of the next section. 1931, that's Manchuria, mm -hmm. 1931 to, to 2003, Manchuria remembers its, its comfort, we women, our stations, conflict. So the, the terms are all shifted around, but we're talking about the Japanese invasion of Manchuria and that's the right. enslavement and, the and degradation mm -hmm. of women mm -hmm. and worse, mm -hmm. and shipping them back, I think, to Japan. 
I so think many is, of them didn't make it. And many of them didn't make it. But there's a specific modern political history that goes along with this uh, archaeological sedimentary yeah, yeah. Well, there is desire. You know, there's a lot of desire behind this uh, in this piece. I mean, since you're going to go outside the poem that we were going to look at, <laughs> oh, let me you know, let it's me. It's a go. close but not too close reading. <laughs> poem talk is. Go ahead. Well, Fred. close yeah. to the beginning of what we started yeah. with. Yeah. Am I a girl dreaming? I'm in a truck. Yeah. Is this is this poem that ends? I wanted not this ghost. A girl to do what I say, mm-hmm. not yeah. me. Yeah, page 52. The girl I want, not this dark. That was mm-hmm. cool, what mm-hmm. you just did to me. Because you, you, I extended beyond this section to do the politics. You extended prior to the section mm-hmm. to connect that I am a girl dreaming to desire, to sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Um, this, I, don't this, I don't know if it's this, sexual this desire. This book length, almost book length poem has got big scope. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know that it's sexual desired. I think it's a, it's it's uh I I think it's I think it's the desire that our whole culture uh whips us up to feel. The glossy advertisement yeah, I yeah, saw the yeah, white dress yeah, so pure. Yeah, yeah. In a way that connects then to the Japanese invasion of Manchuria and mm. what happened to those people. Yeah. But I wanted to ask Fred on page 56 Fred. <laughs> And she says, we civil our eyes as towers, twin, the geography of a thousand... Is that a 9-11 points. reference? I think it is. And so I wanted to say that it's in here. And also that this... It's interesting to think of a Canadian poet looking into America to speak about politics. Um, and that tells you something about the Canadian consciousness. Oh. That's an interesting and complicated mm-hmm. thing, which isn't coming out here, but... We'll, we can talk let's about get that it, another let's time. Let's have it come out. No, let's do it now. <laughs> that is to say, is is the speaker of this section understanding herself as one of the brown elsewheres in the context of nine eleven as a uh, you know a, we- a Western Canadian of color? Well, it, That's this there. this. <laughs> Like I read this poem as a racial as, as working yeah, with a racialized that's discourse. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. That's what Colin wanted yeah. us to. So let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, we haven't talked about that. Yeah. No, and I think that Larissa's uh, uh, working through the language here and the shifts in in both the language and shifts in perception. Uh, uh, and the whole cyborgian proposition that the book is held held in as a way to locate a. Uh, not necessarily a racialized discourse, but a discourse that's going to help her th- uh, work through that, work through race and politics and economics and uh, mm-hmm. many other things. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, I feel that that's, she's very definitely speaking as a racialized subject uh, yes. from here. Yeah, yeah. because that, that is also what underlies that line, the girl, out, girl outside in. Mm-hmm. We civil our eyes as towers twin the geography of a thousand and one brown elsewheres marked as target market labor pool, disposable as plastic razors, double action blade for a cool smooth, sexy until the bluff, the snuff cleanly executed in real time eye movie. The biochemical bludgeon, half-lives deplete cancerous uranium, military aircraft flatten desperate breed of suicide. We mime our own grief for verite of hourly caste. Spell horror at flash recognition. We share soft biology. 
difference our capacity for hardware, our impermeable fear, we factor in our right to win. I want to give Colin a chance who brought this up to go back to 9-11. Did you, you have another point you wanted to make about that in the Brown Elsewheres, I guess? Oh, well, <laughs> I, I was, I, in a way, I, I made it something between maybe America and Canada, but, but it, it has to do with the choosing of certain moments of, of horror, which then become signposts. And we have our own, which might not be so well-known or not so notorious. Uh, and so when we're making choices, and this actually covers a great range, or a, a, really in the 20th century, for example, a very small number of things that she's put Manchuria in here also, which, which is another outrage. Um, and so there's a, to me, there's a, a longer conversation there around the use in poems of, well, you could, you could include the Holocaust also, where, where in, in a sense it, it stands for something, and how does it stand, and should we use it, and how should we use it, and how can we make it not simply uh, raising the flag. But I want to go further to that, because I think the uh, toward the end of this piece in which the towers are... So, 56, 57. Yeah, and she says, we mime our own grief mm-hmm. for verite of hourly mm-hmm. cast, in a sense. That seems to me to be... She's doing a, a, a reversal here between... Uh, how bodies are represented in the news, in on TV screens, wherever, and the the biological fact that we are all soft tissue, yeah. we and that's that's how those lines end. We share soft biology. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, me ideological too. contagion stools, digital <laughs> signals and flags. Stools is a big word there. Big word. Digital signals and flags. Wave hands semaphoric call for metaphor the fundamental wine of discontent. Can we grapple with the metaphor as a fundamental wine of discontent? Is this saying something about her function as a poet? You know, those lines we were just looking at, it comes down to the imperial again. Difference, our capacity for hardware, our impermeable fear. We factor in our right to win. Now, she was writing this Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she was writing this about the time of the invasion of Iraq. 2003. Was it 2000? Well, that's when it was published. So it's a little before. It's after yeah. 9-11. Yeah. And I think the, yeah. the, re- the reading, I can't remember when the reading was. But emergency rings on the dollar, same, same section. Emergency rings on the dollar calls mm-hmm. planes into to existence. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. prior to the 9-11. And sorry, I'm back to metaphor, the fundamental one of discontent, (laughs) but it's in the same section. To to me there, you know, that can't be a positive thing. Yeah, but isn't all the accoutrements of imperialism, all the flag waving, the statues, all of that, isn't that metaphoric? It's symbolic, but isn't it also metaphoric? It's also semaphoric, as in on uh, an aircraft carrier uh, directing the planes to, to their war. But it's not. Um, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> How so? Well, they're pigeon stools. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stool pigeons <laughs> or stool pigeons. Sorry. <laughs> well, there are pigeons in this poem, and yeah. we have the contagion stools, yeah. which does not sound good. That's it why you shouldn't eat good. some of those pigeons that you see. Uh, but I remember reading about this time that uh, British Aerospace, which makes weapons for the world. Um, they had a page on their new green initiatives. 
Um, and uh, the latest ones, which they were very proud of, was that they were no longer making bullets of lead. So they would be a n- nice hard plastic. Uh, and consequently, if you missed petrochemical, the, if you missed a guy, uh, it wouldn't. And the <laughs> the bullet happened to drop into the soil. It wouldn't poison the soil. Oh so, man. There's I an know. irony for you. Uh, it's <laughs> Thus contributing to, you know, the petrochemical source of everything. Call uh, for metaphor the fundamental. Call for metaphor the fundamental. That's just an example of it. Yeah. What you just said, yeah. Colin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we, we, oh. we four could talk a long time about this poem. What I'd like to do is go around at least once and get some further thoughts. You don't have to be in series just whatever other idea you came to this discussion wanting to talk about. So, Fred... Uh, Are we winding Fred, down talking about the poem? I think we're winding down, but we could go two There's... rounds of these further <laughs> thoughts. Tell me something that's else that's on your mind. Well, I just... <laughs> so, many, so much is on my mind yeah. when we get into this. Um, um, I guess I, I really enjoy what she's doing in this poem with that... Uh, that whole notion of of uh, looking for a site of agency through equivocation, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that, that kind of Judith Butler uh, notion that if you can't decide, then that's where you should be, mm. yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. that to be well, I I've always liked being in the middle, but <laughs> in the door, in, in the, the doorway, is yes. <laughs> so, a door. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, it's it's lovely the way she's moving in and out of stuff and dropping in and out of stuff. But at the same time, I think you're right that truck starting it and then that truck ending it uh, in this section anyway, in that you've that you've used here. Uh, that truck is I don't know why did why a truck why a as a container, it's a weird thing, and I keep thinking of a pickup truck, not a big, uh, <laughs> a big semi-trailer. A big well, semi-trailer. there were there were there were migrants uh, secreted away in yeah, trucks. Yeah, I think so. And 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 then something happens to the truck, and they're left to die, enclosed in this locked box. This is why no, no, someone yeah. I think Daphne yeah. mentioned no, I Holocaust agree. because of course no, that's I agree, another but strategy. It's, uh, am yeah. I a girl yeah. in a tr- truck or a truck dreaming? I'm. I have a, I contain a girl. So it's an, the I there. It's, well, is yeah. it? Uh, is, so she's one of the migrants, maybe? Uh, I don't know. She could be, yeah. but she could also be one of the truck drivers. That's, that's the. Or that's she could be a the, truck. <laughs> well, that's the, that's, that's what she actually <laughs> yeah. says. The truck yeah. might have subjectivity. Fred, before we turn to Daphne for a final thought from her, can I ask, you know, when you talked about the racialized subjectivity here, Although you said it's not particularly a Western Canada context, it has it has some there's some uh, history of immigration here. It, it reminds me of your own work, some of the strategies that you use, um, and your connection to this to this work. I think you ha- helped make this you know this project. I, I helped edit it a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you're I close worked to with this, Larissa close to this project a bit. She, yeah, just as a kind of confidant, or I don't know, just a. I didn't edit it, but she. We talked about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I helped. I guess I helped with some of the language. I don't know if I helped her or not. Yeah, I, I think can, you have. Is my point. I can point. see you I in there, Fred. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I see a, a connection little. between your work and this work. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate it, particularly from Larissa, uh, as a woman poet who has worked through the 80s, 90s, and up till now, tr trying to locate the right language uh, to uh, for mu for much of her own person, but also a kind of racialized discourse that has been uh, a struggle for uh, writers of race to find, you know, kind of come to. And I think she, as as well as Rita Wong, have, are two writers who do this deal <laughs> brilliantly. <laughs> yeah. Good. Thank you, Daphne. Uh, Further thought on this? I think it's a really powerful poem, and um, I'm still intrigued by its title, Nascent Fashion. Fashion for a woman has all kinds of connotations that do not sit easily with nascent, um, and it makes me think about the science fiction that Larissa has written. Um, I'm thinking that she's looking... She's looking always ahead to the implications in the future of what's going on now. And that, that, that's the struggle to articulate in this poem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I just yeah, find a it good, yeah, a brave a poem, a very brave poem. Thank you, Daphne. Colin, final thought? Well, I'm reading the conclusion of the, passage, the passages we've looked at, and, and I see this as a, as a poem of, of rage. Uh, and and frustration, and um, and it, what I see in these final lines is also I'm thinking something a little sense of impotence, like what? Can I just damn it! I'm uh, so mad that the acid uh, that spills out from me burns the floor. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. I long, I fury, I spit so acid. Uh, and the girl outside in, so that gives you the position where she is, uh, can never be in herself, but always looking at herself. But that's not an unusual situation either, but in terms of uh, 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 racial situation, also it's a thing to look at for that question. And that goes back to the girl in uh, white in that, the, the first piece there. So, so that ends with this kind of powerful uh, conclusion of, sp I'm spitting angry, <laughs> like I'm furious, yeah. but what? <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, thank you. My final thought has simply to do with the phrase we've talked about already, which is push borders that pushed back. Mm. If it had been push borders that push back, then there's a pushing and pushing. There's a, there's a contention there. But the pushed back is really like nuanced. The idea that they've already pushed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that the, the, the Turks and the Vietnamese and the Yugoslavs and the Mexicans who are somehow uh, brought together by the parent corporation, oh, parent corporation, my body, uh, in these containers, that there's an immense pushing, presumably inside the containers, each of them a container into themsel unto themselves as a body, and that they've already been pushed back. And so rather than being a kind of standard conversation about so-called illegal immigration, a conversation about political pushing back. This is much more complicated. This is as complicated as the situation actually is, mm -hmm. the way it's being mm -hmm. presented. And then the master carded, now home without uniform, my black hair, which is really a signifier there. Mm -hmm. um, I find that very powerful. That's political. 
that's the I think you, the, the political nail is that border yeah. Uh, yeah. thing in there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's also yeah. pretty contemporaneous right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, that's what I that's what I was thinking. And, mm-hmm. and carding is also a verb. Yeah, so she's really got being, the being carded master carded by the master carded. Yeah, that's. I mean, this is where we began my interest in her. You know, syntactical strategies here. It just makes reading like poems that I like are. You have to read them carefully, right? And by doing all this work with cause and effect and with verbs, she's, you really have to think about the master card as a master carding, a checking. A, so forth, identification. Well, we like to end poem talk with a minute or two of gathering paradise, which is a chance for us to spread wide our narrow hands to gather a little something really poetically good to hail or commend someone or something going on in the poetry world. Daphne's looking down, wondering whether, she, whether she's got something, but I think she does. Do you want to go first? <laughs> I do. I do. Well, I was just thinking about anger, and that's very present um, in Rita Wong's uh, very recent book, Undercurrent, uh, where she's tackling uh, environmental degradation and how much it's also part of our own bodies now, our own body tissues. Um, But there are some wonderfully uh, almost litanic poems in there. Um, And I think it's it's a book that everyone should read. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you, Colin. I was going to tell you that I'm reading Montaigne's essays again, and I'm enjoying them so much. Thrilling to read. That's great. Thrilling uh, to read. Well, I recommend every poet and writer go back to them. And if that's they haven't because they're so uh, in the French or or in the in the mm-hmm. even in the translation that was made around Shakespeare's time, because he drew from that translation. Yeah. But I think you'll find there you'll find someone working through a number of the questions you see even in this poem. Uh, but in the late 1500s. Well, Montaigne has never uh, been recommended on poem but, but I also want to recommend Fred's book, Isadore. A fierce, I love Isadore. Yeah. Fiercely intelligent, and yeah. for some of the issues we've been talking about in this poem, you can find more in Fred. So, And the <laughs> Fred Wa poem talk, where he appeared midway through. <laughs> Here he is again. There he is. And Fred, he's like a bad penny. He keeps showing up. Well, the three of us read in uh, in D.C. last night at Rod Smith's uh, and, and uh, 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 the Bridge, Bridge Street. Is it Bridge Street Books? Bridge Street Books. Yeah. yeah. Famous venue in D.C. Yeah. 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 Wonderful yeah. bookstore. It and is. And we read with Christopher Nealon. And, Who's uh, really a Maryland guy, I believe, a Hopkins guy. Am I right? Yeah. Well, he lives in D.C. He lives in D.C. Yeah. works in Baltimore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he read a uh, he, he read one poem that I had actually happened to read online earlier that day because Penn uh, Penn published it on their online thing. You um, mean Penn Sound? No. Oh, P E N. Pen America. Essays. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm so narcissistic <laughs> in my references. Everything has to be Penn Sound. So P E N published it. Yeah, yeah, they do this weekly thing of publishing recent writing. Anyway, they published Christopher's poem called You Surround Me, uh, which is a stunningly uh, powerful poem on sexuality. And uh, God, it was so moving and so well done. And we're just, I'm still excited about, <laughs> about that yeah, poem. It's a thrilling poem. That's great. Yeah. So your Gathering Paradise is Christopher Nealon, N-E-A-L-O-N. Well, my Gathering Paradise has indirectly to do with Colin, which is, and everyone here, except for me, others, um, 
the Kootenai School of Writing audio recordings have partly, somewhat, mostly, thanks to Donato Mancini. That's right. They're finding their way here. Are now. finding their way to Pen Sound. And there's, as of this recording, a ton of stuff that needs to be cataloged and organized. But KSW at Penn Sound, I guess this is my way of saying, you know, our um, Western Canadian brothers and sisters can, you know, you're here in Philadelphia. It's <laughs> so great. I mean, I wish it could happen more often. And may, or maybe yeah. Penn Sound needs to, or Pump Talk needs to go on the road and go out to Vancouver, hint, hint. Bad idea. Yes. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We, do a, good idea. we do a on the road. Zach, who likes to come on these trips. Vancouver, Zach? That would be really cool. Well, that's all the uh, oily ancient fuel we have time for on Poem Talk today. Poem Talk at the Writer's House is a collaboration of the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing and the Kelly Writer's House at the University of Pennsylvania and the Poetry Foundation, poetryfoundation.org. Thanks so much to my guests, Fred Waugh, Daphne Marlette, and Colin Brown, and to Poem Talk's directors and engineers today, Zach Cardner and Annie Fang, and to Poem Talk's editor, the self-same amazing Zach Cardner. Next time on Poem Talk, Amber Rose Johnson, Tracy Morris, and Alexandra Johnson will join me in a discussion of six poem sections from Norbesi Phillips' Zong. This is Al Philreis, and I hope you'll join us for that, or another episode of home talk. This is Al Filry's Poem Talks producer and host. Zach and I and the rest of the Poem Talk team here at the Kelly Writers House hope you enjoyed this new episode. We wanted to add a special word of thanks here at the end to Nathan and Elizabeth Light whose generous grant supporting Poem Talk, among other outreach projects, has helped make this episode possible. Thank you so much to the lights, and thanks to our regular and intermittent listeners, one and all. We'll see you again in a month with another new episode of Poem Talk.